Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lundbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Lyndon Bretwith, the founder and CEO of Opatsui Consulting, a sales enablement agency located in the English-speaking Caribbean. Lyndon is a speaker and thought leader in the area of getting most out of yourself and your team and have coaching assignments and training, etc., in many different sectors. And he's very passionate about the topic we will discuss today, which is understanding value and how that leads to better engagement. With that said, I say welcome to the podcast, Lyndon. Thank you very much, Jacob. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised and honored to be invited to be part of the podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's, it's an honor. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, thank you for uh, participating. We came across you at last year's uh, Inbound conference and heard your content there and felt you were really passionate about those things of understanding value and so forth. Uh, I thought there must be a lot of interesting content to discuss here. But before we dive into that, could you please give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you became a sales enablement expert running your own agency in Trinidad and Tobago? All right. Um... So I've been I've I've been in the in the business of sales for just about seventeen going into eighteen years. I started as a as a young chap um, somewhere around two thousand and three, and I didn't I didn't get into sales because I was looking for I was sorry because I was passionate about sales. I was kind of just scrambling to find a job, <laughs> and um, because of because of getting involved in sales, so many things happened in my life. Is that I um, I found myself through sales. I found my personality, my cadence, the things that I really enjoyed, uh, which is really helping people. And that grew. So as my sales career grew, I realized that it transcended from not just helping people, but helping my sales team, helping the organizations. And then it sort of transcended into me now wanting to help more because I spent 10 years in a, in a corporate space. Um, and then I felt, you know what, I wanted to be of a greater impact to more people. So I decided to leave. I have about five different industries that I would have worked with within those 17 to 18 years from automotive into telecoms. I was almost in financial services, which is insurance, but that didn't work out. Um, I was into regular retail. So um, once it wasn't illegal, I sold it. Uh, T-shirts, uh, shoes, you know, you name it. I, I would have had my hands into developing magazines and selling ad space. So it was, a, it was a, a real journey for me with sales, but I saw that there were a couple of things that was happening with salespeople as a, as a sales manager. I saw some challenges and I also saw that there were some gaps in relation to how managers were doing things or organizations were doing things. And it wasn't just always the problem of the salesperson. I realized that the organization sometimes had problems in their structure and their processes and uh, I really felt that it was time for me to kind of step out because it's always been a dream to... to to be have my own business so i really just I decided you know what let me at least try to to get it done so 2018 is when i started um started the company opatsui and from there we just really started well really started to focus on looking at 
not just sales training, but sales enablement, which is a new thing for Trinidad and Tobago because we are very, very focused. I should say the Caribbean, we're very focused on training. But as I said, you know, and we'll go deeper into it in the conversation that there is a lot more gaps in that, that relates to having a successful salesperson deliver and be consistent that they have challenges during the course of the time. That's interesting background you have there. And um, I just wanted you to comment on your company name again. That's have a story behind it. Why your consulting company actually named that way. Yeah. So um, Opatwi really means one person at a time, starting with yourself. So it's the first letter of that particular phrase, right? So the first letter of each word that makes up that phrase. And I came through to, through one main reason. I'll, I'll, I'll stick it for the, from the sales side of things. As a sales manager, I was having a really hard time in getting folks to understand the new direction as to how we should be selling. I've, I've been recognizing the change in the way that we, that we should be selling a little while now. And while trying to get that done with the team, I was getting a lot of resistance. And it was frustrating the life out of me. So I remember one day I went home and I was chatting with my aunt. And I was just sharing with her, you know, everything that I was experiencing. And she said, you know, you want, you want these folks in there to, to follow you, you know, to, to get where, to get, to understand the direction you're trying to get to them. But really and truly, you can't save everybody, you know. So you have to at least find one or two people because I had a, it was a team of about six or seven folks at a time. Try to find at least one or two people that you can really make that impact with because you cannot save everybody. Right? And she even said, well, look at it like Jesus from the standpoint of Jesus, right? And because she's very spiritual. So Jesus couldn't save everybody. So you have to work with, with who was who willing to listen. And while she was saying that, she also said, which really stood out to me the most, she said, but you also have to be the best example. And that part of it really resonated because I knew that there were some managers that I reported to that they also wanted me to follow them or they wanted the, or the, you know, the rest of this organization to follow certain things. But because of who they were as a manager, character, leadership, it wasn't working. And um, so one of the first things I had to do was really start at the end of a pastry where it says SWY, starting with yourself. So I started to work on the things I needed to do to change, like my, my approach to the team, leadership style, skills, and everything else. And then I honestly, to be honest with you, I really started to see a change in the team. Um, and I did get one or two people, as she said, to start following. And it's, it's so funny how, how human nature works because... As soon as one person sees someone else doing it, it kind of validates the fact that they should now try it. You know, it's kind of how people buy to, if, if we're looking at the culture here in Trinidad, we have a thing where if somebody's interested in doing something, they will say, well, I don't know, you do it, you try it already. <laughs> and, as, and as soon as someone says yes, and they have to give that story, it kind of lowers the barrier of entry, kind of builds their confidence because they have somebody to reference, a point of reference. So, so yeah, Opatu really represents you know, just finding that one person. And I'm sure we've all heard the message where it says, um, if your message connects with at least one person, then that's all that you need. But of course, a large part of that is who's delivering the message because you want to be genuine and authentic, that you really want to help, but you're not just trying to get, you know, likes and followers and seem famous and stuff. It has to be a, a very service-based type approach, especially as a, as a leader of a sales team. Interesting, very interesting, and so true. Totally agree with you there. I also know that one of the themes that you often uh, come back to is uh, is value and value based selling and those kind of things. And I know you have described it like sales and marketing have had a lack of understanding of uh, how to provide. Uh, 
value for clients and so forth. Uh, and it's uh, even getting worse <laughs> over the, the years. We build great products, better than ever and so forth. But in our communication, it's way too much product-oriented uh, dialogues we drive. How come that you feel that it's, it's become this way? Uh, the more, if, if we start paying attention to... I'm sure if every salesperson or every organization starts paying attention as to why they won that deal, they would realize it had less to do with the product and more to do with the value of what that product or service gave to the customer, right? And when I started to pay attention to the little sales that I was getting, um, when I looked at automotive, the automotive from the automotive industry, I had people who were coming from me from a B2B and a B2C standpoint. And as much as it was an emotional sell, they still, they needed the car to do something, right? And, and this is, you no, know, I'm really, re I'm really recognized. I recognize this some years after I left automotive, but every person that purchased a vehicle, purchased a vehicle for a specific reason. And we never sold towards the reason we sold on features. So at, in my early days, I was a features guy. I was a, if you would have asked me the features of a vehicle, when I give it to you, you know, top down, you know, flip it backwards and that kind of thing. But when we, the more I started to, pay attention to consultative selling, I realize, oh, wait a minute, if I focus on what the customer is trying to achieve, I would realize that the, the sale and the buying and the engagement and the conversations were so different. It even made it easier for me to try to close with a customer. So I, I really started to pay attention to what do I have to do to really communicate to the customer that we can help them. And that took, that took some doing because it had to maybe, I had to change the way that I was selling because even when I was doing copiers and scanners, it was, a, it was speeds and feeds. It was um, 35 pages per minute, black and white, color, this, that, resolution, dots per image. Never spoke about helping the customer save money, being, being cost effective as you release the energy, improving the customer's productivity. So value proposition, even from a manufacturer's standpoint, is never pitched. So we always sell in speeds and feeds. Even when you're talking to marketing, marketing never supported us to help us understand the customer because they didn't, they didn't know that better themselves. You know, I remember that there was one client that um, when I got into the business of um, imaging and printing with copiers, we were doing the sharp brand at the time. And I got this call in a very, maybe my second weekend with the organization. I got this call from a customer and the customer blew me out because they weren't getting the copier print fixed in time. There was a service issue. And I, I couldn't understand, like, why would this lady be this aggressive with me on the phone because of the copier? Now, mind you, I, I got into that industry thinking, well, it's just a copier. It's just a big square, big piece of plastic and metal, but not understanding how important it was in their organization. And that was when things started to turn around for me somewhere around 2008, because I started to focus now on what this piece of equipment was doing in the organization. And that's where the whole value-based factor of selling started to really show up in my mind ah okay that's that's so interesting and as you say it's it's a major driver to get uh, a close deal or or you know get the 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 client to sign up to something even it's a, if it's a micro close or a big close with a lot of money involved and so forth but um what are your best practices when you work with sales teams in order to focus on this? What, what do you see sales teams go wrong when they, uh, when they don't focus enough on value and how can you help them or what do you do? Right. So 
I'll answer that in two ways, right? So you have two. The best practice is really to scrap the way that they, can, they currently look at um, at how they sell, which is a hard thing sometimes because people are so ingrained. Their current way of selling is so ingrained within them. Even with the level of success that they may be getting, sometimes even if it's not, if it's still not enough for them to achieve, they don't want to give up, give up on it. Hmm. So the first thing that I try to do is really scrap, like get them to think about what the value propositions are or even to start incorporating something that, that is called value proposition. If I were to ask organizations, tell me what your value proposition is. Jacob, you know what they will tell me? They will give me their mission statement and their vision statement. Yeah. That's what they, <laughs> normally, that's what they normally say, right? Well, our mission is to do this. Okay, but who cares? This, that has nothing to do with the customer. And that honestly stumps them. They are like, well, what do you mean? You know, we, we, yeah, but how does you, how, how is it that you being number one in your industry have anything to do with the customer? So when we start looking at the value proposition now, it really means the first thing that they have to start practice is removing the way that they currently think about sales. All right. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I then break down the five value proposition categories for them. Mm-hmm. And those five value proposition categories are productivity, profitability, image, convenience and experience and that goes for both sales and marketing from a productivity standpoint is your product service or solution improving the customer's level of productivity and output is that productivity now in because they're all connected in, in in one way form or another right is that productivity now boosting them to make more money because nobody's in business to not be profitable right based upon the services that you're providing let's say for instance for digital marketing and stuff like that or you're doing advertising is that image that you're putting out for that customer improving their profitability in any way meaning that why would you put out an ad is the what's the purpose of putting out an ad isn't it the ad to generate some sort of interest or whether it's in the buyer's journey the awareness interest desire and action you know um when you're looking at things along the lines of experience as being one of the value proposition categories how is your interaction as a salesperson or as a customer success agent helping that customer experience? Like how is that buyer's journey with all those touch points within your organization, improving that customer experience to the point where they now are very open to buying from you. And the last and most important one, which is a big part of sales enablement, like that convenience that you're offering, like how, what is your process? How are you removing friction? How are you eliminating any kind of hassle that the customer has to make two and three steps to get one thing done by doing that service through you. That's why you have a lot of companies now kind of, kind of expanding their services and giving all inclusive this and all inclusive that. And this is from, from my experience here, mm. you know, so the first thing is really looking at helping people scrap the way that they think about what the value proposition is, is not your mission and your vision statement. Mm. And then now applying and help teaching them that at least five value proposition categories are, productivity, profitability, image, convenience, experience. And if they, if they start understanding those five things, then we now start rewriting the value proposition statement. And from there is when you start people saying, oh, you know, I never looked at it like that. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's, it's a whole new concept as to how they are thinking about value. And by them doing that, their engagement is different. The questions are different. You know, how they go, how they go through the, the process of identifying the right things that the customer needs in terms of building a solution. If you're in a B2B space, it is different because you get the ability to understand all of the respective pain points that the customer is experiencing or might experience 
so that your engagement now will tie into whatever the value is. Mm. So those are the, the, the two main things when it comes to best practices for a VP. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Great. Great to hear. If, if um, from your experience, where do you feel most B2B companies uh, struggle or do mistakes in this? Because I think maybe most salespeople get trained in, in value propositions and, and try to provide value. We have all these big methodologies like spin selling, solution selling and so yeah. forth. Uh, but, yeah. but uh, in reality, just as you say, we typically pitch products. <laughs> Where do we do wrong? The place that we go wrong is by, by not understanding, again, the beginning, the value. Mm -hmm. I, I've had many tough conversations with my senior executives at the time when I was in corporate on value proposition. Like we, we, when we were writing proposals, I wrote a proposal one way. And I got it scrapped, you know, almost embarrassed. Where he said, "No, you're not writing the, the value proposition correctly," and this and that and the other. And now that when I know because because I teach it, I try to perfect that space. I'm realizing even him, as a as a senior executive, didn't understand value proposition, and it was more me, me, me. Hmm. The other thing too is that we don't really have much of a much of an understanding as to how to really engage properly by asking the right questions. We expect customers to just buy in because of our company is 40-something years old. I'll give, I'll give an example, right? I remember, and I'll use a B2C example and, and because this example works for, for all, whether you're B2C or B2B. Absolutely. There was a, a, not too long ago, I was invited to a media launch and I needed to buy some, you know, some gear. So I wanted to buy a pair of pants and, you know, some clothes to go to the media launch. And I walked through the entire mall and I was totally unsatisfied. Every mall that I walked into, the only thing that they were asking me, the engagement was so low, was, you know, um, thank you for walking in. Can I help you with anything? And that's it. And, excuse me, when I told them, you know, well, I'm looking for something for a media launch, what they will do is just point me to the shelves that had the, the T-shirts or the shirts or the pants and stuff like that. And I got upset. So I was getting ready to leave. And then the person that I was with, they said, you know what, there's one more store that we actually didn't go into. And I was like, ah, listen, I'm not interested in going into any more stores. I wanted to leave. And they said, no, 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 let's go in. We went in. And then there was a young guy, about 20, 21 years of age. And uh, as soon as I walked in, his welcome was brilliant. He's like, yo, um, thank you for coming into Raw. I just called the name of the store. Right? Um, you know, my name is XYZ. How can I help you? And I explained it to him. Here's what he did that was different, Jacob. When I told them, listen, I'm going to a media launch. The date is Sunday. This was a Friday. So there wasn't much time for me to kind of move around. His level of questioning was so amazing that I couldn't believe that it was a, a retail store. He was like, okay, well, what is the dress code? What is it that you had an, an idea of wearing? And tell me what is it that you have home that you might want to wear with it? I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, because again, it was a different engagement. I actually went with, a, I actually bought a pair of shoes at the time. And he said, okay, well, let me, see, let me see the shoes. And as soon as he saw it, he was like, all right, I have a couple of things for you. Before I went into the dressing room, I was excited. You know why? Because I already started to see the solution. Before I got to the dressing room, we were talking about what I could wear, how I could interchange certain things in terms of color, um, style, and everything else, to the point where I was really, really happy. So I, I immediately knew, okay, I'm going with any one of the two options that Jonathan uh, recommended. When I got into the dressing room, and I tried it on, it was just validation because Jonathan helped me see the solution long before. Mind you, I'm not going to this thing until Sunday. So we had about 48 hours before I got there. But I'm already excited because I like to dress, right? And you know, dress 
kind of builds a, a, an emotional connection with people. And I want to go there and I want to look good. Remember I was talking about the value proposition category about image. So that is a big thing. Image is a big thing. So when I got there, I want to, I want to look and carry my, the look sometimes supports how I carry myself sometimes because image is a big part of people's um, behavior. While trying it on, my good man just threw another shirt over the, over the, um, over the, 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 the door. And he said, listen, I've given you two options. I think this one will go good with the white pants. The other one that you have good will go with the gray shoes. You let me know. The decision is yours. And by him doing that, I was so confused now because I had two outfits that looked extremely well and I didn't know which one to, to choose. So what do you think I ended up doing? I bought the booth. Exactly. Right? So I went in because I didn't want to have the, the situation now where I feel, ah, oh, I'm wearing this one, but I should have worn the other one. I wanted to have both decisions with me. And that is kind of, I, I use that because, because he understood his industry, because he's a practitioner, because he's into style. What he didn't do, he didn't rush me to the shelves. He asked me, where are you going? What are the requirements to get into the place? Like, what's the dress code? And he helped me build my solution. And a lot of, a lot of um, B2B organizations could do the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that they don't, but it's not a common practice across the board because sometimes customers come in with 90-something percent of the control. And if you don't help the customer see, okay, this, can, this is a good idea, but here are other things that we can do to help you, or what are you trying to achieve in the long run, then without you understanding that, then you wouldn't be able to add to the value that they already know that they need to get from them. So uh, that's one of the stories that I always like to share. That was actually just a couple of years ago, mm. you know, where that young guy in a B2C space, in a retail space, really applied a B2B solution type approach and, you know, just blew me away as it relates to sales. Absolutely. And I'm sure his, uh, his performance as a salesperson in that story is quite amazing and probably. Yeah. <laughs> Another part of that too, because of that experience, remember we're sticking with um, productivity, profitability, image, experience, and convenience. Because of that experience, every time I tell that story here in Trinidad, what do you think happens? People say, hey, what store is that? Because I'm now an advocate. They love to hear the story. And then I would hear people say, well, I'm going to check out that store. Oh, yeah, I know Jonathan. He's really good. So he's gotten sales. So sometimes when I pass the check, I know I become your friends. Because guess what? We built a relationship. He would say, hey, Lyndon, you were telling that story again now. Because somebody came in and just said, hey, I heard Lyndon talk about you, whatever, whatever. So that, that is as, as simple as that, that interaction was. That maybe took no more than 20 minutes on that Friday. Me yeah. sharing that story has Perfect. gotten him. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and I think what also is interesting here is that you were probably not interested if it was a discount on the shirt or the trousers, (laughs) you know, you bought it at full price. Exactly. Exactly. And the price (laughs) became a second, uh, thing, secondary thing. Exactly. Great story, Linda. So, uh, when you work with those things, do you feel that there's any trends in, in value propositions today? Do, do buyers value certain kind of value more over others areas? You had those categories. What are the most important parts, do you think, for a B2B company? Yeah, I think for B2B companies, I think the main trend would really be um, becoming more of a, okay, 
organizations in their statements, again, they would normally talk about being a partner, but <clears throat> customers really, they really want partnership. They really, really do want that partnership. But to be a, 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 an efficient or effective partner, you really have to take time to understand the buyer's journey and the buyer's industry. Mm-hmm. So you have to be an expert in that space. I think one of the things that have come up, that has come up too within recent time, like to be that, the best way to do that, I think sometimes is really focusing on an account-based sales or selling an account-based marketing approach. Because if you're trying to sell to all these different industries, you dilute because I have a salesperson moving from one customer to a different customer in one day, right? And they are prospecting and meeting and all doing all these discovery calls. And they go from automotive here at 10 o'clock and then they go across to ICT organization at 12. While, while they may be doing a good job in delivering or sharing what the, what the value might be, they can still do more if they were focused on that specific vertical. I call, we call them, well, I call them verticals here, but the industry term is account-based marketing or account-based sales. And I think if we go, if more organizations or the industry, especially here in Trinidad, really focuses on that, you will tend to find that the ability to communicate that value and, of course, deliver at a higher level would, would, would increase because you will have people who are now more practitioners. Yes, we have people who are very good at what they do because they've been doing it for a long time, but to be a practitioner is really always being a student. It's like a, like a, like a doctor. Doctors always have practices, right? Yeah. So because, you know, new things are coming out in the space of medicine, so new things should always be coming out in our space of sales or, or solutions whether from an IT, ICT standpoint or wherever it is. So I think really and truly maybe adopting an ABM or ABS strategy and improving that, improving what you can give out of that industry would be excellent because without it, you'll just be kind of running all over the place, you know, but again, to developing that strategy. And again, I speaking about it from on my side here in Trinidad, it might seem to be a little bit slow and you know, we tend to find custom companies not always willing to adopt that that quickly. But I think that as it does the next, that should be the next step when you're looking at value props and really maximizing it. And then you're working with your sales and marketing to do an ABM and ABS uh, approach in terms of your business strategies. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. If you have a, if you're sitting in and listening to this and, and uh, you're a, a uh, B2B sales or marketing person, a practitioner, how can you test your value proposition? Uh, how do you, do you have any tips how to go about and see, do we do this? Do we communicate in these categories? Or what's, uh, what's a good uh, rule of thumb here <laughs> to know if you need to work with these areas? I would always say, look at your wins and losses. So like doing, um, doing reviews as to why, why did you win and why did you lose? All right. Uh, if it is that you lost and be very specific. So like if you, if you want to ask the customer, well, you know, did we, do you think that we communicated our value properly enough to you? And if the customer says no, then that is a, a, a straight up uh, response that you need to go back to the drawing board with and keep refining. And then you also do the same thing for where you won. Like, why did you win? Was it just because of the price? Mind you, price is a part of a value proposition category too, right? Um, it's just not one of the main ones I normally like to talk about because you could maximize price if you communicate value well. So, so, so meaning that price doesn't always have to be from a discount standpoint, 
But really, I would always say the first thing should really be talking to your customer. So why did you win and why did you lose? And because of what you hear is what you need to start adjusting on. Again, you would, know, you would hear me talk a lot about from the customer's perspective because as, as I was been saying before, a lot of how we sell here is on features, speeds and feeds, and it's seldom about why, what is the problem the customer is actually trying to solve. Mm. And uh, even from becoming a partner with HubSpot, HubSpot just really helped me validate a lot of the things that I've been saying for like three or four years, you know? <laughs> and um, the key is really having the customer in the center and then you're revolving all of the things around your business processes, the way that you want to sell, meeting the customers where they are in the journey, showing up where, where the customer might be doing the research first. So I think really communicating the value or understanding if you're doing well enough in communicating the value should start from what you've won, what you've lost, or, and also one more thing, even reaching out to those customers who are not, or not yet your customers. So your, your prospects and your suspects doing surveys as to, and it can be different type of surveys too. Like do a survey that, that asks people, what do you know us for? What do you think that we do? You know, and based upon the responses that comes back there, you will know as to how well you are communicating. You will know as to the level of awareness that you are, that you have in the market. I mean, I'm sure many people that might be listening to this that, has, that have a sales team, at some point in time or the other, they may have had a customer that said to them, Sarah, I didn't even know you guys did that. And that really represents how we are communicating or not communicating that value. But asking me, doing a general survey to really find out as to how aware are people of your organization and the services that it provides would also, would also be a good barometer as it relates to understanding um, how best you're communicating that, that value. That's the best way to keep your finger on a pulse. Um, it's, sorry, that's the best way to do that by keeping your finger on the pulse with the customer. Your knowns and the ones that you knew but you didn't win is a good approach. That's a great uh, tip and advice there from, from you, Lyndon. I, I feel we could chat a long time around these things, but uh, we have, unfortunately, to wind down here. And for, for our listeners who want to know more about you, your agency, and the content and insights you have, especially around value propositions and providing value, etc., where can we send them? Where can they find out more? Um, the first and foremost, they will always get that at the website. So it will be opatswi.com, www.opatswy.com. And then from there, you will definitely be able to get me at um, any one of my social media handles. The first one would always be LinkedIn. That's the easiest one. Uh, just look for Lyndon Braffitt. The second one will be um, Instagram, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you will just look for at Opatsui. You will see that you will see that there, and that's it. That's the main. That's the main. I don't do a lot of Twitter. You know, I need to pick up my tweeting game. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, Instagram. I do have a Facebook page, but I'll just definitely say Instagram would be Instagram. Oh, and there is a YouTube channel as well. Um, just type in Opatsui O P A A T dash S W Y. You'll see the channel come up. You know, so once you see it, just, you know, hit like and subscribe and you'll be able to get all of the information. Wow, that's great. 
Well, thank you so much, Lennon, for sharing so generously the content, your insights and research around value and how that drives engagement in all kinds yeah. of commercial dialogues. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I could talk about this whole day, as you just said, but I really do appreciate the, the ability to share the, the experiences from, again, another region in Trinidad and Tobago. And of course, to add towards the entire communi community of um, sales and marketing and everything else. Yeah, truly uh, our pleasure. And I wish you all the best with uh, Upatsui and uh, your clients in the future. And hopefully we'll come across each other again. Great, thank you. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.